Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Wishing you all a happy holiday and a happy new year. And in fact, our first segment for tonight is going to be a holiday special from Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love, hosted by Michael and Diane Duncan. Tonight's guests are Donna Dangelo and Nick Curdo. Greetings and welcome. How are you? I am fine. This is Diane. And uh, I am just so blessed to have these wonderful guests tonight. Um, Michael was um, called out for uh, his job, uh, so I am left here with the children. (laughs) But I am delighted to be here, and uh, if he can, he'll get back to join us in time, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, you are then the host of tonight's uh, show, and your guests are with us, so you, you can start by welcoming them, and then the, uh, the, the show is yours. <laughs> Thank you, Hercules. Thank you so much. Well, uh, first, we have Nick Curto, and Nick, are you there? Yes, I am, and it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, happy holidays to everyone, and to you and Michael and family. Oh, thank you so much. Well, this is a blessed Christmas. It really is to have Urantia people like our wonderful Donna and wonderful Nick. Um, this is a truly blessed Urantia Christmas. Thank you, Nick, so much for joining us. Um, Absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to very much for tonight. Oh, wonderful. And, and I want to introduce this, been a this whole This whole year has certainly uh-huh. been a roller ride, but... Uh, we survived with a new year with and uh, powerful the the new year on many levels. Uh, is the phone breaking up just a little bit? Do you hear that? Yes, we have a little bit of interruption, Nick. Uh, for part of when you were speaking, there was silence and a trilling noise uh, on this end. Oh. Uh, hmm. 
Oh, I don't know what to do. Um, well, now it sounds uh, all right now. Yes, it does. Um, yes, it yes, does. Well, we'll just go on. Well, Nick, I, I agree with you. This has been a real period of transition for for everyone in the world. And I know for especially you uh, going through uh, what you have gone through this year. And, uh, of course, uh, our family, we've been going through a uh, new career uh, jobs and things, and that's been a real uh, challenge. But but I think it'll be a glorious one. Um, I well, do want when to. Well, uh-huh. the other door opens up, and uh, I think right. that, uh, as far as my life is concerned, that's exactly right. You know, one door sometimes closes unexpectedly, and uh-huh. uh, but then again, in the in the near future, opens back up, and you're on track for new adventures. That that's right. That's right. That's truly right. And you know, um, we can make a blessed Christmas every day of our lives. We really can, even with the Urantia book saying that uh, a person can have heaven now. They can actually live it now, and that's what Christmas is to me: living in a Absolutely. blessed Christmas uh, day. Uh, no, I now. just saw one of. Well, I just saw one of my favorite, favorite uh, holiday movies, which is The Grinch, uh, oh. that stole Christmas. And that's the, that's the Jim Carrey version. I think it's one of the absolute uh-huh. most flawless, amazingly <laughs> produced films. Uh, you, do you know it? I bet you do. Oh, of course. Um, both of my children, that's their favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, yes. I, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, and Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey is at his absolute best yes. with this part. Yes. Uh, I, I can't uh-huh. imagine. Maybe Robin Williams, if he were still alive, could right. slip into that part. But yes. not many comedian actors could do it. And Jim Carrey is absolutely <laughs> flawless. Uh, I mean, I've seen this maybe 12 times. And uh-huh. it's, I'm belly Last night it was on network TV, and we were belly laughing. It is such a good movie. And Ron oh, that, Howard. We do. We did too. And Ron Howard was the uh, producer and director. Ron Howard did this. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, well, boy, what, what a flawless direction. And uh, the other thing, too, I just got to note is that every single cast member from the, from the chorus, everybody, look at the makeup, the designs of their clothing, their costumes. It, mm-hmm. And their jewelry and the uh-huh. way they walk, it is abs- it's as good, and believe me, as good as The <laughs> Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, every every night what? we've been watching a different Christmas movie, and I know my children, that that is their first choice, <laughs> most definitely. Oh, really? I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It certainly is it's one of my very favorites, and boy, what, what a, and it also, what, what, the reason I'm bringing that up is it did the uh-huh. same thing as saying Christmas is not the, Christmas is being together. Yes, of course. And that's the blessing blessed- of that movie, and and boy, yes. did they did they hammer that on so many comedic levels? Oh, oh boy! Anyhow, yes. I, I just wanted to slip that in. Oh, that's lovely. Well, we are so proud to have you on this this Christmas season Urantia book program <laughs> because the season yep. is not over. I mean, I I go through uh, twelve days of Christmas like a lot of people, and so I'm just keeping it all going. <laughs> uh, I want Good to introduce. Our Donna uh, yep. Ingelo, and are you there, dear? I am here. Merry Christmas to everyone, and I hope everyone had a lovely uh, holiday. 
Um, my name is pronounced D'Angelo. Oh, D'Angelo. Oh, yes. well, thank you. Just a minute. Let me get that down. D'Angelo. All right. D apostrophe. N. D apostrophe. Uh huh. Capital I N. G I L L O. Angelo. Does that mean, oh. does that last name? Do you know if this family name is? Is there a meaning to that name? Oh, there might be, but I'm not aware of it. But but it is Italian, isn't it, Donna? Yes, it, it sounds is. Italian. It is Italian. Yes. Well, my yes. name is Curto, and uh, one of the translations mm-hmm. is short. And everybody on my Italian side is very very short, and I'm six <laughs> foot two because my Irish mother, my Irish mother, and they all had, they were all tall with uh, Irish policemen. So, so <laughs> I got the gene of the Irish side as far as that goes. And my little cousin, Billy, he changed his name from Billy Curto to Billy Curtis, is one of the leading munchkins in The Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland. Oh, my goodness. Well, he was short. <laughs> oh my and my goodness. father told me that we had a relative in The Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland. And I said, Dad, please, uh-huh. you know, don't, don't, don't joke like that. That's, that's <laughs> silly. He said, Nick, no, it's true. You have a distant cousin who is one of the leads of the Munchkins in The Wizard of Oz. And <laughs> until I saw the credits roll on the screen of the TV set, mm-hmm. it said one of the Munchkins was Billy Curtis. And, and that's my cousin. Oh, <laughs> well, um, I, I want to find out about Donna, if she had a blessed Christmas. Yes, I did. My partner, Daniel, and I are here in St. Petersburg visiting with some friends, and we had a chance to spend... We had a chance to send, spend Christmas with our, with our dear friend Byron Belitsos and Peter Heyman. So oh. it's been a very, very blessed Christmas. We don't get, usually oh. get to see Byron for the holidays, so he was down oh. here visiting, and uh, we came over from Delray Beach to be with him and some other friends. So it was really, really lovely. We had a great time yesterday. Oh, really my goodness. Well, what a blessed Christmas. Well, what about Nick? What Petersburg. about you? Huh? Yes, go on, dear. Can you hear me? There were two Uh people talking, so I don't know what was being said. Uh, Go ahead, uh, Nick, please. I I was just curious, uh, where is St. Petersburg? St. Petersburg is on the west coast of Florida in the Tampa region. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I just wasn't sure because I thought you might be in Europe. You know, I, I know, at Europe, first, so I, <laughs> I wasn't sure either what you meant. <laughs> well, nice the American, the American St. Petersburg. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Is, how warm is it there right now? Uh, it's lovely. It's in the 70s, and um, we had some inclement weather for a few days, but yesterday turned lovely, and we all went to, we went to the beach and had a lovely walk on the beach, and oh, today was nice. warm, so yeah, it was, uh, we had a very nice oh, weather. Very oh, well, nice. We, we have had rain, Donna and Nick, just torrents of rain, and uh, unfortunately, our roof is great. Uh, you know, there's no problem with the roof, but we have a patio over the garage, and that leaked oh. into the garage. So we have just been under a flood, 
my inner truth bells were ringing so loudly. It was like, ding, 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 ding. You found what you were looking for. Uh And when I read that first introduction in the foreword, the words just leapt off the pages into my heart. And I I knew I was dealing with something very profound. And it always uh, resonated with me. And there were a couple of things that really spoke to my heart. Uh, especially the life and teachings of Jesus mm-hmm. and the yeah, yeah. the the universe mother. Uh, I, I I had a very strong reaction when I read the papers the paper on the universe mother spirit. So fast forward for uh, let's see seventy five to about sixteen years. I got involved with the teachers, the celestial teachers that were now assigned to Urantia to help us in the correcting time phase to outwork the uh, legacy of the Lucifer Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And I started to meditate. Mm -hmm. And with my husband at the time, a few years later, he and I and a few other individuals started an organization called the Stillness Foundation to teach the practice of daily communion with the spirit of father within. And it was also around that time that I uh, had a very keen desire to look into different kinds of energy forms of healing because that was really speaking to my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of the next few years in the early 90s, I started to develop the practice of quieting my mind to make contact with the spirit and also began to perceive messages from celestial helpers and teachers. And they started to give me a lot of information about the human mind, human consciousness, how the circuits of mind in conjunction with the adjutants work in our system. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, uh, left uh, my marriage relationship in 1999 and I moved to oh. the, I was living in Indianapolis after moving out of the Chicago area where I was, um, my my ex-husband was uh, working for the uh, fellowship and the foundation. Yes. And we, uh, I moved to the Bay Area of San Francisco mm. and I started an organization called the Center for Christ Consciousness. And at that time, I was receiving a lot of messages from Father Michael and Mother Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I was promoting the messages on my website and on my blog at the time to send out to people who were now contacting me for healing or spiritual Mm -hmm. ministry. And over the years, I just compiled this group of messages that I received over the years and put this into a book because when I started to develop my own personal relationship with Michael and mother, I began to understand that we have an opportunity to be parented again by our divine parents whose love and validation of our lives supersedes the relationship that we have with our human parents. And that their love far outweighs the influence of our human parents. And it was in my own experience that I started to heal from 
the way my mother or my father, my human mother or father had not fully understood me, uh, accepted me for who I was, appreciated me. When I turned to my relationship with Michael and mother, uh, all of that changed. And the validation and the love that I received from them helped me understand my life in a greater context. And it was from that point that I began to help people open up to their own relationships to Michael and Mother through healing sessions and, of course, to help them also open up to more intimacy with the father fragment within. And so I I had the Center for Christ Consciousness from 2002 oh. to just last year, 2018, oh, okay. And during that period, uh, I, I compiled this, this book called um, A Divine Mother, Divine Father. And I had authored an earlier book called Teach Us to Love that was based on the practice of stillness and the basic spiritual habits of daily stillness, forgiveness, seeing the presence of God and others in service, which formed a backdrop for the practical spiritual lessons that we need to grow as individuals to make sense of our relationships and to treat others with kindness and compassion. And so this was also something uh, that I felt was kind of authored through me uh, Mm -hmm. that I received a lot of guidance in putting that book together. So over the Mm -hmm. years, I've developed this uh, outreach ministry to to help people, not just Urantia book readers, but mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. from wherever they are in their spiritual development to come into a greater awareness of the greater family of love of which we are all a part, mm-hmm. but to have these relationships with a spirit mother and father who actually can come into our our minds and right. heal the wounds of the past. I see. And to heal okay. all of the memory experiences that may have happened at the hands of the human mother or the human father or even sibling mm-hmm. relationships, they want, I believe, they want the, their children of this world to be healed of the deficits that we have suffered Mm-hmm. Uh, due to the Lucifer Rebellion. And also during that time, they've given me very much uh, a lot of information and guidance on exactly how the rebellion has impacted how we think mm-hmm. and feel and mm-hmm. our subconscious memory patterns, which also form a, a foundation uh, under which uh, I facilitate healing sessions to help people overcome these deficits and to receive the love and validation that is always our birthright to experience. It's very experiential work, very yeah. experiential. It's, oh, it's not about t- changing people's belief systems. It's mm-hmm. helping people feel that deep abiding love and um, assurance that you are indeed a valued child of God and you have mm-hmm. a right to exist. You have a right to find out who you are and live your um, your divine life plan that the Father has seated within each individual. And I, wow. I'm very committed to this uh, because I have seen 
within the Arantia book community for many years that the emphasis on study of the book is very important. Yeah. But the experiential awareness of right. these deity presences within us mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. of paramount importance because that is what changes behavior when people feel that love and they don't, they overcome that sense of unworthiness or guilt or shame that has been a, a, a driver in, in many people's uh, negative behaviors. So I'm very committed to this now and continue to facilitate healing sessions for people to really become more intimate with Michael and mother so they can heal them in the way that they want to for all their children. Of course. Well, you know, uh, thinking positive is something that is finally coming out in in many areas and in many religions. I know we were uh, involved with the Crystal Cathedral and uh, with Dr. Schuler and uh, thinking positive. Uh, I know with Mary Eddie Baker, um, uh, thinking positive uh, started to come out. And I think part of this is that. Uh, to get uh, the negative parts of our life out of the way, and I guess that's what you're doing. You're you're removing uh, the, the negative parts so that they can live in a positive life by faith. Well, I can't say that I do it. Uh, I would say that Michael <laughs> and Mother are are helping their children feel a greater uh, expansiveness of of, of feeling how much they are how much they love each individual and when you begin to feel that i mean really feel that in your body really feel that in your soul that changes behavior because when you begin to feel validated you, that sense of worthfulness I have value. I have something positive to contribute to humanity. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this is a very important time that we're in. It's not just about thinking positively about mm-hmm. ourselves. Oh, okay, that, that is a good start, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that. It is helping people get in deeper touch with mm-hmm. the gifts that the Paradise Father has seeded in us Mm-hmm. to be of service and to contribute to the growing supreme being mm-hmm. that is all that we're all engaged in growing that deity consciousness through our own individual efforts and this is the goal for human life and the Arantia mm-hmm. book talks about that yes but how many of us really live from that awareness that mm-hmm. we have not only a cosmic responsibility to the greater good, not only to ourselves, but to the greater good. And and this is an, another one of the messages that I really like to help people understand. You're not mm-hmm. just living your life for yourself. You're mm-hmm. living it for a, a, a much greater um, uh, growth of, of divine consciousness in, in an evolutionary form. Now, of course, this is a very important concept that's in the Arantia book, and when you look at the general population, it, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a big gap, you know, a big right. jump <laughs> to make that. But we're, uh-huh. we're growing in, in that awareness. And, and the movement toward positive thinking and getting away from mm-hmm. uh, feeling badly about ourselves and various, right. various kinds of therapies are, are all part of this growing movement away from mm-hmm. thinking of ourselves 
you know, from the many years of religious dogma that have taken us away from exactly. our intrinsic, mm-hmm. intrinsic evolutionary value. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big thing that's that's mm-hmm. happening on the planet for people to awaken yeah. to the power and presence of of God within them. Um, Nick, what do you think about this? Because I know you've told us that you had some experiences that might not have been as positive as you would like in your churches and when you were a child. What do you think about this, that she's really trying to get in there and uh, uh, dig those out? (laughs) Well, I think, first of all, she, she really nailed it, absolutely nailed it. And I think that what she's addressing is so important for every single person to to face face their inner feelings, their truth, to seek their truth, to be brave enough uh, to to uh, I uh, brought up as a Catholic uh, and I had a, a non in the Catholic Church, such a superior, and at one point around eight thinking of becoming a priest, but what wow. stopped me was some of the like she was saying, some of the teachings mm-hmm. were just not not hitting me right at all. I didn't believe uh-huh. that God, the universal Father, would send His Son to be uh, uh, killed for uh-huh. our sins. That that just didn't hit me right uh-huh. at all. Even as a kid, that didn't make uh-huh. sense. And of course, as we all know, the Arantia book said, "Well, that's not true. That is not right. a true thing at all." The uh-huh. you know the, the atonement beliefs. And that was one of the things also because at around my years, you know, when I realized that I was a gay uh, man, a young man that was that was gay. And, of course, at the time, the church was anything but kind things to the gay community. Uh, it was attack after attack with no love and no understanding. And I thought, Jesus... If he were here, wouldn't act like that. I know that in oh, my heart. Of course not. So these were big deals for me. And, you know, when I went to the Arantia book, one of the issues I was looking for is what the Arantia book would say about same-sex relationships, uh, both for male and female. And mm-hmm. there was nothing negative, and there is a passage which is positive. Mm-hmm. And, and, boy, that really meant a lot to me. Well, that's, well, that's one part of that. Sure. That's part of that answer, you know. And also, uh-huh. I was delighted when you were talking about how the Arantia book absolutely stunned you, grabbed you, and said, "Here I am." And and, and hello, hello, hello. I love the, your your description. Reading the book, or as you said, the book found me. I totally get that, and I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people have that that uh, same uh, sense that uh, they were ready for it, and the angels put it in our paths. <laughs> and it's an feeling to have it. I was in my life ready for that kind of truth, and I was poised and ready for it. And I was in a Unitarian church uh, after being there for two years uh, here in Manhattan, and uh, the service on Sunday morning, and I was two years going to that, they said for our last reading, we're going to read from a book called The Arantia Book. And I thought, oh. maybe that's an Eastern Indian? I had no idea what the word Urantia was. a funny word. <laughs> never heard it before. <laughs> and I had at the time, my, my, my male lover, Jeff, was dying of AIDS and was sent home. We had him sent home from the hospital, and he we had a hospital bed set up in the apartment, and he was here with home care. And so it was a very, uh, shall we say, rough rough time. Uh, 
lot of levels, and that's when the Arantia book came into my life. Beautiful. Your angels knew you needed that, so wow. That's wonderful that you you were able to get that to help you with what you were going through. Um, Donna, do you do any uh, healing, or are you interested at all in the healing by 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 the light, by light at all? Are you into that at all? I'm just curious for myself. Well, I would not say it that specifically because mm-hmm. when I am facilitating a session, there are many things that come in that I see, and one of those things uh, is light. I also see wave patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I get the impression that I'm fo- being told to focus on ultimatonic activity to help the atoms of the physical body calibrate to the correct frequencies that are resident in the ultimaton. Um, So it's very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. But if you use the the, the word light in terms of spiritual illumination, uh, physical light, um, mental or mindal, um sure. uh, illumination yes this is all mm-hmm. it's it is all a a part of the the love in which the, the, the you know the, the michael and mother bestowed to their children mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. it takes many forms and expressions and dimensions because we have all these different factors and aspects to our being it's like calibrating the human mindle system and the body the human mind body system to these frequencies that are you could put into the category of of just this incredible bandwidth of light so i would say yeah i just wondered um now that's pretty much what i do for myself and for my family and friends um i i visualize i see the local universe father and sometimes he comes with the mother but they, what they do for me, like if I'm really tired, I'm usually never sick. I'm a pretty healthy girl. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I do get tired, and, and sometimes I get a cold or something, or I just want a little more energy. And he will appear there, but through the light from his hands, he will shine a light on a part of my body, like if it's a cold, a throat, or something. And that is the way that he heals me. And that's why I just wondered if you ever um, used that kind of a process for uh, uh, helping your, your your people, too. Because this is pretty much the main way that I get helped. Is Now, in fact, I bought a... Uh, beautiful, um, it's kind of like a throw from a Catholic catalog that I just love. We're not Catholic, but I, I love the Catholic Church. And uh, it has the divine mercy picture on it of Jesus with his heart, and he has his hand to his heart, and the light is coming forth in beautiful colors. And I bought that for my husband uh, so to remind him that the light can heal him from the Father, and that's why I just wondered if that was a part of maybe when a person would come from an, uh, for an illness and need something right away, you know. Right. Well, it, to, you know, um, it, it, when, when we are in that flow of grace 
and the healing comes. It can come in all different ways that sure. we can see sure. with our with our expanded bandwidth of vision or hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that for me, it comes in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes in language, words mm-hmm. that I'm I'm told to focus on. Oh. Sometimes it is light. Sometimes it is waves. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's just a, a variety. I. I, when I do a session with a person, I always open up with, with the intention that mother and father, this is your child. You know what's going on with them. Sure. And I want, to be under, I want to be functioning under the over-control of that person's father fragment. And mm-hmm. so I just open it up, and then I mm-hmm. just watch. I observe mm-hmm. what it is mm-hmm. that they're doing. And then I right. take notes. No. I see. Yeah, and then I okay. transcribe them. Yeah. And it's multifaceted. You know, it's it, and I've done thousands of sessions over mm-hmm. the years, and mm-hmm. no two are alike. It's all unique for that individual under the over control of that person's father fragment and what Michael and mother want to do to help that child progress mm-hmm. on his and her path. And it's not necessarily physical healing. Uh, more oh, often than okay. not, it's more emotional yeah. uh, and and mental. Okay. So uh-huh. that because if 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 the emotions and the beliefs aren't aren't rooted in spiritual reality, the tendency of the physical body, uh, the physical body needs to be um, upstepped. And mm-hmm. when there's emotional distress, the physical body sure. becomes more devitalized, as you well know. Mm-hmm. So my approach is 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 going to uh, our parents and saying, okay. This person is is desirous of receiving healing. You know what this person needs. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for bestowing what this person needs. Thank you, and I will hold that space for your healing to mm-hmm. proceed. Yeah, now when you're saying thank you, that's very interesting because that's what I'm told that uh, we have to do or I have to do. Uh, I have to thank them for the healing even before they do it. Now, that's what I'm told. So I think that thanking them is very important, and I'm glad that you you mentioned that and brought that out, Uh, that we thank them actually for what we want ahead of time because they're the ones who are bringing it about, and we can't see the underbelly work, you know. And uh, so, of course, so I appreciate you saying that. Yes, I thank them first. I say thank you for the healing, that I am perfect. You're bringing up a really good point because that – Thank that uh, act of thanking them in anticipation is an act of faith on our part, exactly. and and this is and this is a very important component in the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know that story in the Arantia book where the woman who was hemorrhaging touched Jesus' garment. Mm-hmm. He said, "Woman, your faith has healed <laughs> you." And exactly. I try to make you know lead people into that place of faith that. Mm-hmm. Our parents love you. They want the best for you. Now, that person may have a lot of their own inner misgivings and doubts about that, but if if they can get to that place where they are already in that place of gratitude, then the energy flow of love to that person is so much more powerful, and it has a much better chance of being more effective in that person's mind and emotions to help right. them heal from the past, and then that can have a very profound healing response in the body as well. 
So it's um, very important that we act we come to it that we come to that healing place as faith children. Um, I want to mention here because a lot of people point, don't. Uh, at this point, our segment is uh, coming to oh. an end. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, oh, so, wow. Uh, if uh, oh. that went very quickly and it was very uh, interesting and informative, uh, if you can share your contact information, uh, Donna, oh, that would be great. Oh, um, Hercules, I'm sorry. I thought that we had till 7 o'clock uh, our time. One second. I thought it was from 6 to 7. Uh, Actually, you are right, and I am wrong. I am so sorry. I'm used to the new 40-minute uh, uh, segment format, so I apologize. Yeah, we so usually just, always have an hour. You're absolutely correct. I apologize. <laughs> oh, that's okay, Hercules. Um, I do want to make mention, though, that a lot of people, uh, our listeners, do not know about the Arantia book, and and uh, I just want to mention that faith is so much in the book. Um, on paper uh, 170, it's called The Kingdom of Heaven. Jesus taught that by faith, the believers enter the kingdom more. And there's two things that are essential to enter the kingdom now, the Rancho book says that you can actually enter the kingdom now using that faith. And faith is the f- number one thing that he puts down, faith and sincerity. Now, the other thing is truth hunger. And, of course, that's uh, what Donna was mentioning, too, when she found the book. You know, she was hungry for truth. And I think Nick has been and I have been. I think all Rancho readers are hungry for yes. truth. But, but this yes. faith is really a part of the Rancho book. And this is what I'm trying to bring out tonight with both of you, that we can have this blessed Christmas every day of our lives. And the way we can do it is the way Jesus taught, that by faith, the believers can enter the kingdom now, today, right now, this minute, if we are positive enough and have faith enough. Now, Donna, do you believe that? Oh, my goodness, of course. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But, you know, this word faith has a lot of different meanings for many people. And I'd like to just maybe clarify something for a moment. You know, when a lot of people talk about their Christian faith or their Jewish faith or their Muslim Mm -hmm. faith, Buddhist faith, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, let's make a distinction between faith as a belief in certain religious precepts or doctrine or theology and faith as a living trust in the benevolent nature of deity and that faith can be more looked at as when a child for instance is is being supported by his or her loving parents and the child trusts that that parent is always going to be kind and compassionate and validate the child and support the child and nurture the child this mm-hmm. is the type of thing that I'm talking about in faith. Mm. It's okay. an implicit trust in the benevolent nature of deity and the relationships that we have available to us as children of God. So it puts us into a different kind of mental posture. Okay, we, we may be adults in big bodies, but we are still children of faith. We are still exactly. children of sure. God and, of and children need to be supported and nurtured 
and mm-hmm. and lovingly uh, guided toward a better way. And and when we operate in that kind of attitude, emotional attitude, mental attitude, we're operating more in that trust in the mm-hmm. in the nature of of love, in the nature of our divine loving parents Mm -hmm. and that is what opens the door to more healing because Mm -hmm. yeah what parent wants their child yeah what parent wants their child to suffer or you know to feel uh unworthy or Mm -hmm. shameful Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. our parents Mm -hmm. don't want that for us no and so yeah this is a very important component of the spiritual development and healing process Well, we have to have complete trust in the Lord if we really believe that he can heal us. Yes. And this is where I'm getting to the positive uh, thinking part, that we thank him before the healing, for the healing, before, and that we trust that he really can do the job. We really have to have that faith. <laughs> and we, we, in fact, I think uh, it's interesting, but I think uh, what they're telling me is you just almost forget what problem you have, and you just go about your business and let God do it. And you have to have that much faith to do that and to go on with that. And that, that is way. a It is a very important spiritual concept to master if you will mm-hmm. yeah and and it does take some readjustment in thinking over time until that mm-hmm. intrinsic trust bond is very strong and people mm-hmm. have some what i call faith experiences where the presence of god is showing up in your life and saying i'm here mm-hmm. this is how it works <laughs> you, you know and you, we, we begin to have these uh, divine appointments with uh, other people who help us to grow in these faith experiences. You know, uh, there's just, I'm sure many, many people who are listening have had certain types of experiences in their lives where they see the divine hand supporting them. And that, that is one of the ways in which we can build our faith. If we have a. Go ahead. Go ahead. the system would be to say, I know that. God, uh, the Universal Father, um, mm-hmm. has limitless love, limitless right. love to each right. and every one. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would say, make my life reflective of that limitless love. Let me, by each minute, each day, each year, for my life here on this planet and beyond, yes. let me reflect that in everything I do, the people yes. I meet, and you know that that is. It's so it's so simple, and uh, and yet it's so profound, and it it has so many implications when you just go with that. If you think of him all the time, and that's what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to think of him more and more during the day, and that makes the day perfect. That that makes it faith that the believers can enter the kingdom now. That's how you do it. You think of him and them. I don't want to forget the mother, and I don't want to forget the other celestials. But if we think more of them, yes, yes. And, you know, life life does that. Life will give you the challenges every single day, and I'm sure that we all have those challenges that come up. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a case of forgiveness of something that happens to us specifically, 
or perhaps you see someone who is really hurting badly and you just need to somehow make it better and to actually go ahead and do that, how wonderful that is as a life experience. It shows you the, the faith you have and the fact that you are a reflection of the divine. Yes, yes. Um, Donna, I have a question for you. Uh, are you there, dear? Oh, yes. Yes, oh, thank good. you. Um, we had a Urantia family come to our home not too long ago to ask us to pray for their family. Um, the The mother of the wife was in the hospital. The father of the husband was in the hospital, and he's a Urantia reader. And they were uh, really in having a terrible time, and they were going to visit the one hospital and then going to go to the other. And they came here, and we all went in the backyard, and we all prayed together, and we prayed for the family. And then the next morning, we heard from the wife that the husband had had a, um, a little heart attack right after leaving us. They had gone to their to the hospital for the uh, the mother. And uh, he was in the hospital, George, um, our dear friend, Urantia Reader. And so then uh, we have been corresponding and talking to them on the phone. But now, just recently, just the other day, uh, it was actually two days ago, George called and said that the, the father was dying. And he wanted to know what to tell him. Now, uh, this isn't exactly about curing an illness, Donna, but this is a question I have how you might uh, tackle this. He wanted to know what to tell his father now because his father was in hospice. He wasn't able to uh, eat or really drink hardly at all. And um, the rest, the, the whole family wanted everyone to tell him, oh, you're going to get well and everything is positive and, and he's only 65. He's still a young man. But George said, I, I'm feeling that, you know, it's only going to be a day or two, and I want to know what do I tell my father now. So my positive thinking, uh, where is that now? What What is, is your take on that, on what to tell him to tell his father? It's actually kind of a difficult question to answer because it really kind of comes down to the question of, what is that gentleman's uh, spiritual beliefs? And to reinforce that sense of um, what he believes about Jesus or God or uh, the afterlife, uh, I mean, it, it's not a single pat answer. Um, I would encourage you to just... Uh, have the family sit together and and pray around the the father and just ask for whatever is in that gentleman's highest good to prevail and and for them to be at peace with whatever the outcome is. Um, these are very difficult types of questions to ask when we don't know uh, the spirituality of another individual. But in prayer, and the the gentleman can certainly just pray with his father and and just ask for that highest outcome, uh, because that person's father fragment will hear that prayer and will know what to do. You know, it's 
it, it you're was putting difficult. me on the spot here. And I, no, not at all. I and don't it, mean it, to. It, but it's hard. It's, no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is, it's a difficult question to answer because of we don't know exactly where that man is spiritually, and that's why I say, you know, praying for that person's highest outcome. Uh, gives people an opportunity to actually feel like they're doing something of a positive nature to help that individual, regardless of what the outcome is, whether he lives or graduates to the mansion world. Mm-hmm. Of course. I don't well, know if that's helpful. No, of Diane, course it is. I wanted and to ask you, yes, Diane, on, I want to ask a quick question. Um, the man that um, is, was dying, um, was he yes. able to, to, to see and to hear and to converse? Yes, he was, and this was the situation. I'm always trying to be like the family, say, well, you're going to get well, and, and you know, we'll do this and we'll do that. But, but see, it comes to a point sometimes where that just isn't the case, and you have to take a different path, you know. So uh, I, what I told them was this, that the man was afraid. Here, here's the situation. The father is afraid of dying. He is afraid. And he, so he was in a quite a um, difficult mood and very uh, unhappy, and it was a very negative thing. And George didn't know what to tell him, and so he called me, what do I tell my father? And the answer that I did give them and give George was this. I said, I have gone to where the father was. I have seen the father. I have talked to the father. The father has talked to me. And when it was time for me to go, I didn't want to leave because I loved him so much. Because the love was so strong, and I was so happy, and I didn't want to go back. And so I told George to tell his father not to be afraid. That I had been with the father. I had made some kind of a trip, if you want to call it, to where I was not in my physical body. And I was totally perfectly conscious but i was happy i was secure the father i knew had so much love for me that i didn't even want to return so the only thing i could tell george was to tell him not to be afraid because i have been there i have been with the father and he doesn't need to be afraid or fearful and that was the only thing i could tell him at the time well I, absolutely, and also uh, just just in general to be there to talk back and forth, to be there as a presence. I think that being alone and lonely, although there might be times that if that would be needed for the person in that situation, it's also wonderful and a blessing just to be with them and just to 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 just have dialogue back and forth, no matter what the subject is. And right. if they want to go in certain directions of spirituality, fine. If they don't, okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's their life and it's 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 their time. And yes. anything they want to talk about, and just to be there by their side, that's mm-hmm. so important. The dialogue yes. always is. Yes. Well, the other yes. the other factor is, you know, if the gentleman who's who's in the process of transitioning, can identify his fears if his son can say, Dad, what are you afraid of? And the father could maybe, well, I'm afraid of judgment or, you know, God's not going to love me or whatever. Right. You know, right. then, then he can allay the father's, you know, allay his dad's fears and, and help him say, well, that's, that's, that's really not true. 
Right. And, you know, God loves you. I love you. God is loving. And there isn't anything to fear. But a a lot of times when people are, are, are very tentative in their faith and don't know what is next, of course it's a very scary proposition to leave your body when that's all you've ever known. Right. But then he right. can also exactly. just sit with his father and hold his hand and just ask him to be fortified in faith and just have yeah. the father uh, just say, you know, I need more faith. And that okay. would be another way to, to help that's the dad uh, in, in his transition. But, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to handle it. And, and these yeah. are the things that, unfortunately, our culture really doesn't teach us very well. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I want oh. to be totally positive, you know. And, and this hit me because, you know, I, I couldn't. I had to, I had to change uh, path. But, but it still is positive, though, because there wasn't any fear when I had left. And, and there was only love. So, so that is the true answer. There isn't any fear. We mustn't be afraid. Well, now it is getting to be the end of our program. And, um, Donna, I just am so blessed to have you come and talk to us. Um, Michael, I'm so sorry he didn't make it back, but he loves your book. Uh, especially the Divine Mother and the Divine Father. We are we are so excited about the CDs that you send us and uh, all of the material. Uh, we think you're wonderful. We really do, and we, we hope Thank that you. Uh, everything will go so well with you. Um, you. You've worked, my goodness, since 1975 on all of this all your life, and uh, I think you should be applauded, and I do hope you have a most wonderful new year in your uh, career and in your life with, with others. Would you give us, please, your uh, information, and then we'll quickly ask Nick for his. Uh, would you like to tell people your website or how they can contact you? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And I've had a delightful time oh, chatting you. with you, and, and thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, um, yeah. my, webs- my website is called the Institute of Christ Consciousness, and the URL is simply institutechristconsciousness.org, institutechristconsciousness.org. Dot org. Oh. There is a contact uh, page on the website, okay. uh-huh. and people can reach me that way. Uh, my phone number is there. My email is there. Uh-oh. And I, um, I'm happy to, to speak to anyone who's interested in what we're doing. <laughs> Long time you ran to reader. Uh, anyone would be blessed to have your help. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much, Diane. <laughs> so much. Uh, Nick, would you please give us your contact information? Well, thank you very much, uh, Diane. Uh, they could reach me by my email, which is N-I-C-K-N-Y-N-Y, the number one, in other words, the figure one, at uh-huh. gmail.com. So that's Nick, N-Y-N-Y-1, at gmail.com. And the Urantia book can be seen in uh, read and also listened to in its entirety at the website U R A N T I A B O O K dot O R G. They just redesigned. It's absolutely stunning site, and there's more to come. And if you haven't seen it yet, please take a look at the new design for the fellowship website. It is oh, absolutely. Thank you. 
<laughs> and Thank Diane wanted to so share much. your and Michael's information uh, as well, your YouTube channel. Well, we don't really have a um, website, but we do have a YouTube channel that we're very proud of. We have about 80 um, videos up, and we have lots of songs and our paintings, and we're really having a, a, a really fun time doing it. And, of course, the meetings with the Celestials, we just had a wonderful one with 60 in attendance. (laughs) Whoa, wow. (laughs) It was a real celebration for a a blessed Christmas and a wonderful Happy New Year. You know, we're coming into our worldwide religion of love. Our YouTube channel is very simple. It's just Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, and A-N-D, Diane, D-I-A-N-N-E, Duncan, D-U-N-K-I-N. So that's our YouTube channel, Michael and Diane Duncan. And we have been so delighted to speak to all of you. And Hercules, have a wonderful new year. And Donna and Nick. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Happy new year to all your your listeners. And we will certainly enjoy your books, Donna, and I want to talk to you more soon. Very we'll good. I'll be here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Oh, welcome. You, will... no, you know that. Much love. <laughs> Much love. Much love to all.
and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and this is one of a series of Archons and Aeons episodes. Archons and Aeons has been expanding in scope, uh, and it's been painting a more comprehensive picture of the reality around us. And I'm greatly honored to be honoring the legendary Nick Curdo in the next uh, segment, uh, which I call Know Your Argonaut. So uh, even though Nick is with us uh, quite a lot, uh, today we get to know him a lot better and not just the folks that he's inviting on to talk to. So, Nick, I'm very honored to be honoring you. Well, listen, thank you so much. And indeed, you know, we always have such a good time. And I'm sure there's also enjoy what the topic. Always a pleasure. Oh, so much for inviting me. The same here, and you are a door opener for uh, very many uh, people, and uh, uh, you connect the dots for them through uh, uh, your many uh, efforts and uh, open doors that lead people into higher realms. So uh, it's almost like uh, an angelic function that you've undertaken in this lifetime. Well, you know, I got it. You really nailed it because I really feel that though that's one of my major functions connect people, to connect ideas, uh, uh, be the energy that will get things done. a president for over 30 years at the Springfield, Massachusetts, and he fought for workers' rights when the government promised certain things uh, as being and then not delivered. My dad was right there saying, 
we need to talk. And I remember him telling me that he used to go to the colonel. He had a colonel stationed at the Springfield Army, and he would go and talk to the colonel himself. He would just make an appointment and go. And the colonel, I remember my dad told me once, he said, the colonel said to me, and I'm, I'm junior, so he said my, to my dad, he said, Nick, the one thing about you is that you're going to tell me what you really think. You're not going to tell me what you think I want to hear. You're not, you're not that kind of a guy. You're going to tell me what you really are thinking, and, and I like that. And that, that was the strong bond between my dad and the colonel of the Springfield Armory. And, you know, I'm like that, too, because I really say what's off the top. I really I don't have time. I don't think the universe has time to, to dilly-dally. We need to be direct. We need to communicate with each other and tell what's in our hearts and souls. And we need to work together for a greater good. So, and my my mother was the same way. She was amazing about connecting family and connecting events and making sure that everybody was good and cared for always. And and I, I, I when you have those kind of parents, how could you not be like that? A reflecting of their good energy, of their good qualities. And I'm 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 really I have to tell you, I feel so blessed for my parents because I know people who weren't as fortunate, that, that they had terrible experiences with their parents uh, for a number of reasons. It could have been alcoholism or depression or a number of other things, but they were shortchanged with loving parents, and that's such a basic need that every child has. So uh, I wish that everybody in the world, all the kids, had as good a parents as mine, and that, that's my wish. Well, I hope that your wish uh, comes true. Uh, it's true. A lot of people feel that they were shortchanged in uh, uh, in being raised, and some learn to uh, move past that, uh, and others, uh, unfortunately, uh, don't. But I'm glad that you had a great uh, childhood, and it sounds like these skills that uh, your parents had, these qualities, uh, you inherited them, and you were able to uh, bless other people through what you're doing. Well, thank you very much for that. And I got to I got to share one thing that's just I, it's sure. it's, uh, it's making me smile. Is that um, one of my favorite Christmas uh, movies is the Christmas Story, which takes place in the 1940s. Now, I was born in 1943, so all the the dress and the 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 atmosphere of the 1940s I remember. So that that particular movie just just absolutely uh, is is so wonderful. It's like going back and and one thing that happened to my early life that's actually in the movie. And when I saw the movie for the, I couldn't believe my ears and eyes because this, the the little the little guy who's the, the hero of the movie he is threatened by uh, uh, some bullies some bullies and. When he when he gets nearby his house, the bullies are there and they're going to really punch him out. And in the movie, he's so scared. He is so scared that he doesn't know what to do. There's no place to run to. They're between him and his home, and so he runs at the bully, which is twice as big as, and starts punching him, and ends up with some lucky punches. And actually, he has to be pulled off the bully because the little uh-huh. guy is for his very life, and he's winning the fight. And that actually happened to me almost exactly the same way as the film. (laughs) And when I saw it, I I just, it was like I was just stunned. I I thought, did someone 
see what was going on in my life and put it in a script? I mean, because that happened to me. And and Harold, uh, who was a really uh, big, big, uh, brawny uh, and, and kind of nasty guy, and his sidekick, sidekick Ronnie, Ronnie said, Nick, after school, Harold told me he's going to punch you and he's going to beat you up. And so when the bell rang at 3 o'clock <laughs> in Springfield, Massachusetts, at my, at my uh, junior high school, I thought, uh-oh, this is it. So I took a different path home, hoping that they wouldn't find me. And when I turned the corner to go into my home on Calhoun Street in Springfield, there he was standing right between me and my house, punching his fist, thinking, this is what's going to be in your face in about two seconds. And oh, his no. sidekick, Ronnie, was right beside him. And I was so scared. In my pants, I was so scared. And there was <laughs> nothing I between me and my home. And something came over me, and I literally ran at him, got him on the ground, and punched his face. And the next thing I remember, they, Ronnie, his sidekick, was pulling me off of him, saying, Nick, you're going to kill him. There's blood. There's blood. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember ran into my house and bolted my front door. <laughs> and so it was such a weird thing to see in a movie, something that actually happened to me. Yeah, that is kind of odd. That That is that is awesome, though. And, yeah, and I think, you know, one of the morals there is when you're that scared, you, you, you get an inner strength. Has that ever yeah, happened to you? Yeah, true. Um, strength, and a sudden it's kind of like please god help me now because this is it there's nothing right. else i can do except except go forward please help me and that's exactly what happened and luckily my wife was spared i didn't even get a yeah. black eye but harold harold was suffering pretty much he had blood all over his face oh my god so something i had to share that with you because when uh, I was in uh, high school, I was an explorer. That's kind of like co-ed Boy Scouts. And oh, yeah. uh, we were in the woods, and uh, one of the rangers had come over, and he had told us that uh, we should be on the alert uh, because uh, an inmate from a psychiatric institution that was uh, not that far away from the camp had escaped. And they, they said his name oh, was no. Harry. So oh, <laughs> they told us to be on the alert that he killed a bunch of kids when he was out and uh, all this type of stuff. So anyway, oh. um, I was uh, on the alert uh, at around three o'clock in the morning. I heard someone outside and at the oh, camp no. that wasn't unusual because it's dark. You're in the middle of the woods. Uh, so, uh, um, you know, I opened the, the door to see if somebody was lost and I could direct them. And instead it was this like big guy wearing a mask and he had a, he had a, an ax. You're kidding. So, oh my goodness. So everyone was sleeping. It was, it was the middle of the night. So I yelled a Greek war cry and I jumped on the guy and I was in my shorts, you know, uh, and, uh, I wrestled <laughs> the guy to the ground. Uh, I, I tossed away his, uh, his ax and I started beating him. And then like a bunch of people came and, uh, you know, got me off of him. Uh, and, uh, it turned out it was the ranger you know, who told us uh, about the guy escaping from the uh, uh, institution for the criminally insane. Uh, it was him. He was playing a joke. And, uh, oh, what a joke. What 
kind of joke is that? Oh my goodness! Well, it, back, it backfired on him because, but yes, I know it's even getting that energy because all I knew is I had to protect like thirty sleeping people, uh, some of whom were young ladies, you know, and they were all sleeping, and uh, you know, so I had to do everything I could to prevent them. And I told him that he's very lucky I didn't grab an axe, <laughs> you know, because right. I was told by a ranger that there was a. You know, a, a hatchet Harry who escaped from uh, an institution and that everybody was in danger and just be careful. Uh, so, you know, what am I going to do? You know, if I if I thought to grab an axe, he would have been axed because, uh, you know, I would have had to protect the sleeping kids, you know. Uh, but oh, that's, that's a great story. Oh, my goodness. That, that's a that, great story. Thank you so right. much for that. Wow. Wow. That's why I felt that adrenaline in me. And like you said, you could, you're, you're, you just keep on going because you have to. Exactly, and and you know what? You can you're stronger because you've got nothing to lose. That you know right. that this is it, and and you get a strength from that. And boy, that it worked for you, and it, it did work for me too at those very critical moments. So, well, that's a great story, Hercules. Thank you for that. Wow, that's great. Well, thank you for enjoying it, and thank you for being. You're always so generous with your uh, background and experience. Um, we only have like around 10 minutes or so. So what would you like okay. people to know about you? Because uh, you're a great well, guy. I know you personally. I enjoy uh, knowing you as a person. I enjoy working with you on our, our missions and finding ways to work together. Um, and you're, like I said, you're very generous in sharing your experiences and your background. But what is it that you'd like people to know most about you? Well, I think that for me, one of the the most important things is the fact that uh, I've loved in my life, parents to to others in my life, my my family. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, also grateful for the Orange Book coming into my life. It's meant a great deal to me. It's it's pretty levels and it's it's just such a, a guide uh for my life and beyond and i'm very grateful for that i'm also very grateful that the government has finally within the last year has admitted for that for 70 years they have literally not told the truth about ufos and contact and this is the first year that they've actually reversed all of their uh, false stories and said well Actually, we've been very much investigating this, and this is a huge issue with the government. And they actually put out some videos showing UFOs taken by pilots, and that, that's a huge, huge change. And I have a feeling that that's the beginning of something else that's going to be major, maybe perhaps in 2020. But it seems to me as though that is going to uh, facilitate other revelations about the subject, and that is incredibly exciting. And after after 70 years of being told that you're you can't believe your eyes and your ears, right. it's only swamp gas. That that's a huge thing that's going on right now. Um, also, I think that the Tesla uh, tre uh, treasury of of uh, wonderful uh, experiments that he did, and the fact that uh, all these experiments, in many cases. With health are are finally uh, being seen uh, the light of day, and I have a feeling that huge advance just about coming to us. Thanks, Hitler, who many of his ideas were stolen 
unfortunately, right. and he wasn't given the credit. And and that's a huge thing. And you're hearing more people talking about the life of Tesla and his experiments and what, what he was doing. And that's going to be a huge, I think in the next 10, 20 years, that is gigantic of how it's going to change civilization. So, again, thank you. Thank you, Tesla, for your wonderful mind and your amazing, amazing experiments. Uh, we have a lot to be grateful to him already with a lot more to come. Yes, I, I believe that as well. And I know the folks from uh, Unarius, the Unarius Academy of Science, uh, they yep. were saying this long before it became, you know, uh, long before people were aware of Tesla. They would continuously talk about Tesla. Um, and some of the things that they said about uh, the conditions on other planets in our solar system, our science is discovering that they were right as well. So um, hopefully this type of information will uh, become uh, uh, more noticed, you know, that uh, the aliens have been giving us uh, information that is, even though it seemed uh, uh, easy to make fun of, is proving true. It has been proven true, and the more we know about that, the, the amazing, the amazing contact which already has happened. Now, a lot more just uh, in the process of coming to us. I think more revelations. Uh, all the thrilling, thrilling time to be alive. See this is all happening. I have to say the word too that means a great deal to everyone, and that is peace in the world that that's such a critical thing we need to get behind movement we can to make sure that wars do not it's a war nobody and we have not take care of that we need to take care of the earth and uh, some need to do a lot more and everybody in the to get behind that, whether it's the plastic situation, whether it's polluting the air through chemtrails, whether it's a, a bevy of other things that are going on, we need to stop uh, hurting our planet because hurting our planet is hurting us as a people. That's very true. We're getting back the interference a little bit again. Oh, well, the uh, the yeah, it's been it's been. Uh, uh, cutting like a word or two out of every one of your sentences uh, on the cycle, oh, it's making dear. twilling sounds. So you know, we'll... I, I'm on I'm on a different phone for this particular yes, one. I'll be on my new my new phone. I'll be on that uh, for the next podcast. And right now, I'm on a secondary phone, and I I, I apologize for that uh, interference. There. No, no, no. You're, you're saying such great things. I don't want them lost in the recording. So what we're going to do is uh, um, we're going to do this again. Uh, and I remember we talked about, and you'll remember too, and we're going to re-record this, you know, for posterity because you're, you're sharing a lot of really great information. So I don't want it to be lost with uh, the static and things like that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Of course, I'll be open to that. Now, you gave your contact information um, on the last segment, but uh, please share it again. And uh, in closing, share with people all the things that are on the horizon. Uh, the uh, uh, Urantia Book uh, Group in New York and the Disclosure Network New York, those are things you've been doing for years. But I know that you're moving in some new directions, and if you care to close with that, that would be awesome. 
Okay, we'll do that very quickly. Uh, the Disclosure Network New York meets twice a month here in Manhattan on the uh, uh, west side of uh, the West Village, and we have meetings dealing with UFO issues, with abduction issues, and with all the things that go into uh, and behind the scenes of that whole subject. We have incredible people that are lecturing us live in person or uh, from uh, the uh, Zoom the Zoom network where we have a big screen and you can see and hear them. And we also have a Q&A. That is an amazing, uh, 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 amazing meetings we have. And you can listen to the meetings if you go onto our website. And that is dnny.info. That's dnny.info. That means Disclosure Network New York. And we've, we've literally audio taped all the meetings. And believe me, some of these some of the hour, or in some cases, two hours of sessions are extraordinary, the people that we've had so and are having next year. We've got some new speakers. It's one of the most exciting uh, already, one of the most exciting bookings for the year we've ever had. So anybody awesome. who's going to be in New York or who's going to uh, visit New York, uh, I'll give you my email address, which is Nick, N-I-C-K, NYNY1, the number one, at gmail.com. Nick, NYNY, the figure one, at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to give you details on study group one hour before network meeting. So you can go to both meetings, same room, uh, at the same day. And, uh, so that that's something they should know about. Uh, and I've enjoyed both. I could personally vouch for them. They're awesome meetings. Uh, we got another minute? We have another minute, yes. <laughs> okay, Project Lemonade, uh, briefly, is to is to take two problems, which is the uh, huge uh, waste that's going on with the plastics, uh, putting them in our world oceans and uh, burying them, and it's getting to a point of, of being absolutely nuts. And also the world problem of homelessness, trying to get those two huge uh, crises and, and to make it work, and there's a, there's a way we're thinking about to do that, which is to build simple, simple homes for homeless people out of concrete and the plastics from, from that are thrown away. And so Project Lemonade is for that. We're going to have a website set up in the beginning of the new year for that. Awesome. We've got it all written. We just have to put it up. So that's coming up, and that's an exciting project also. That is extremely exciting, and uh Phoenix has been sending me some, uh, I don't know if he's been sending to you as well, some uh, videos on uh, uh, people who are making the houses uh, already and how inexpensive they are and how versatile they are and how many problems they solve. So if uh, you haven't received them, I'll gladly forward them over to you. Oh, please, please do. I, I probably haven't received most of them. So please, if you will, be so kind. I'd very much appreciate that. And, and Phoenix, thank you. Phoenix, thank you so much also for doing that research. And Nick, thank you. You're awesome. I'm very honored to know you, and it's always uh, great uh, doing things with you. Um, until next time we speak, uh, enjoy the rest of the holiday season, and have a happy new year. You, to you and your wife, and uh, to all of our listeners, uh, much love to each and every one of you. Have a joyous new year. Uh, ditto. Take care, my friend. We're going to listen to a quick, short song. Um, dream Within a Dream, only three minutes long, and then we'll be back with our last segment and Ellen J.B. Maxson.
and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and I'm greatly honored to be speaking with Ellen J.B. Maxson. Um, Ellen is going to be my co-host in the segment called Living Theosophy, Uh, and right now we're just uh, moving along. I've learned a lot from uh, Ellen, and I'm sure so have you if you're a listener to the program. Greetings and welcome, Ellen. How are you? Well, hello, Hercules. It's been a little while, so I'm very happy to be back on your show. And uh, really honored to be here. I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and your family and And all of your guests and listeners. It's wonderful. Um, As I was meditating on, you know, what to speak about, I thought Mm. it would be a good time since we're talking, I like to talk about Ascended Masters, to talk okay. about the three three wise men who were three of the ascended masters that are very very current in you know when we currently talk about ascended masters who are working with the earth very closely. Um, okay. There were El Moria was Melchior and um, Kasumi, who most people have heard of. He was Balthazar. And then Dual Kool was Casper. Those were the three wise men, and they each followed the star above Jesus and the star below. I was just brushing up on it and reading a dictation that uh, El Moria gave in 1980. And it was uh, the three wise men um, came from their home kingdoms. They say Casper came from Tibet, uh, you know, and they really traveled a long way. And he said, that, that they, the, yeah, the star above and the star below in the, in the heart of Jesus was the anchor that they followed that 
saw the line that was drawn from above and below. And um, it, it was very interesting. You know, I'm busy. I was listening to your guests before, and they were talking about the plastics being converted for the houses for the yeah. homeless people. And that has been uh, something on my heart. I mean, every time we have our recycling, you know, these bins of recycled things are every week bigger than we are. <laughs> We're going to be better yeah. than our own plastic. It's unbelievable. So it's fabulous to think about, you know, since we don't like to use up the wood, we can make them into timber to use the plastics to, to build homes, which is great. You know, I love to see and them when the they do that on the beautiful, future. too. They're, they're not... Uh... Uh, they're really, really beautiful. And packing crates, people have been using large packing crates to uh, put together homes, uh, and it costs practically nothing uh, to produce yeah. uh, a home out of the plastics or the cement or the packing crates, uh, and they don't take up uh, as much space. So it could solve the homelessness uh, problem, and everyone would have a nice you know, little place uh, uh, to call home with all the amenities. So it's a great thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you think about, you know, we, we just have to take care of everybody and, and help everybody. And it's, it's a perfect solution to what to do with the plastic. I mean, right. you know, there's so many things we could do for it because it doesn't break down. I mean, no. <laughs> I don't know. It really has been something major on my mind as well, but um yeah, uh, but getting back to you know, the three wise men, which are, you know, they're from ancient times and they're still here in spirit working with us. And, if, you know, your listeners uh, by now must be very well acquainted with some ascended masters. And, you know, I have found that when you call on them, they do make themselves known. And they have yeah. said, you know, don't don't believe blindly. Prove us, you know, ask to you know, have us show you things. And little by little, they they do, you know, prove themselves to you. So, yeah. um, of course, you know, you have to make yourself worthy as well. In in the dictation I was reading, it was, um, they said they came to give gifts to the baby Jesus and the avatar, but they also came to receive the light that even in his eyes as an infant, they saw and they received. And then it goes into talking about how people come to the altar of Christ. And if their hearts are not a sufficient chalice to receive the light, they go away empty and they say it doesn't exist or nothing is real. And, I remember Mark Prophet telling a story that has never left me. It was very, um, you know, I don't know if I, I don't think I've told it on on your show before. I have told it to other people. He says, you know, many light bearers have been hurt in love because they go with a huge heart and they fall in love with somebody. And then this other person who doesn't have a very big heart, a very little heart, like a thimble full of love. And so, you know, you pour out your love to this individual and they and you give them all your love and then they give you all their love, but it's only a thimbleful. And they, <laughs> they give you all their love and you say, but they don't love me. They don't return my love, you know, mm-hmm. but they are not able to give that. So I've never no. forgotten that story. 
And it's always, that's why they say in the Bible, you have to be equally yoked. You have to have somebody with as big a heart as you so they can both receive your love. It doesn't get wasted and that they can return a sufficient amount of love. So Amori in this dictation talking about when you go to the altar of Christ, if your heart chalice isn't big enough to receive the love that they give, it's wasted or it's, you know, you, you don't feel it. And so they say people come empty looking to get something and then walk away empty and say there's nothing there. They lie. And I thought that was very telling that, you know, and it's, it's always the truth that when people come to get something, if they don't have the heart large enough to receive the love, whether it be yours or of Christ or the ascended beings, you know, that's where the lack is. So it always has to come back to increasing our own hearts and our own ability to receive love, to really be able to grow spiritually and to be able to receive the love of God. And that, that was a really strong lesson that I was just getting as I was reading this dictation, you know, thinking about talking about the three wise men. Wow, that is, that is uh, very true, uh, too. Uh, everyone's capacity to give and receive love is different. Uh, and uh, a lot of people do get disappointed if the other person's capacity does not uh, match their own. Either they can give and receive too much or too little love. Uh, and these imbalances uh, do cause problems in relationships. Um, but also it's true that there are ways to make yourself more loving. And uh, I'm looking forward to learning what the Ascended Masters have to tell us about that. Well, yes, from what I, you know, meditated on and, and been, been taught, you know, the way to expand your heart flame is to, to give more love, to, to give, to just give and to, to work at caring more to just practice it and, and prime the pump of the heart flame. Have we spoken about the threefold flame of the heart? We've touched upon it, but please uh, um, follow your heart and share whatever your heart has given us. I'm sure it'll be the okay. correct. Okay. Well, one of the major teachings that the Ascended Masters teach us is that we all have this, a threefold flame in the heart. And basically it can be big or small, but our, one of our goals is to make that threefold flame grow. Everybody has one. It's actually mm-hmm. the thing that is given when you're born, and it's, it's uh, attached to the, the silver cord. But the reason um, you have a fontanelle in the opening of your, your skull is to allow that silver cord to anchor in your heart where the threefold flame exists. And that's what beats your heart. That's what actually triggers your life and um, the threefold flame is made of the flame the yellow flame of wisdom the blue flame of power and and the pink flame of love and when they are in balance they naturally like a little dreidel atop they spin Uh they start spinning and the centrifugal action makes them grow and your heart flame naturally grows and so the key to having that heart flame grow is to balance your threefold flame. 
So if you know you have a lot of power and you have a lot of wisdom, but you know you just intuitively know you, you're a little stingy or you're just not as loving as you could be. Most people sort of know their own weaknesses. Or some right. people are so loving and, and uh, you know, they're very outgoing and athletic and they've got a lot of power and stuff, but, but they, they just don't have the wisdom. They never really wanted to focus on learning a lot or applying themselves to, to use their mind. So they may know that their yellow flame is a little short, you know, so people sort of know where they are deficient. And so they say, work on your smallest flame, your most deficient one to make that grow. So they get more balanced. And when they're naturally balanced, they will spin. Your, your heart flame will start spinning like a top and it naturally grows like with centrifugal force. And that's the best way to grow the heart flame. And all of the flames will naturally grow when they're in balance. So balance is really, really important. Wow, that, that is something that anybody uh, can do. And uh, though it takes time, it's, it's certainly worth uh, uh, doing. Uh, the three gifts that were given by the wise men, do they have any symbolic significance uh, for the Christ and also for the Christ within ourselves? Well, you know, I was just reading that like Melchior, who is Elmoria, brought gold. And gold is the metal in the earth that conducts light. And okay. some of the teachings I've read is that the arcs of light that come from other planets, um, and they say Yellowstone isn't called Yellowstone for nothing. There's both yellow diamonds and gold under the land there. And it's supposed to um, carry the light of God through the earth, almost like the veins within the earth carrying the light and distributing it. So that's interesting that the gold anchors the light. And then um, Balthazar brought the frank incense. And mm -hmm. uh, we know in churches and everything that they, the frank incense is supposed to um, sort of clear the air like sage. It gets, keeps the negative energy away. And um, then the myrrh, which Casper brought from Tibet, um, I think that should be very healing, you know, maybe a physical kind of healing. Um, mm -hmm. So it would be the, you know, the light and the uh, energy and, and the physical healing, but I'm not really sure. I'm sort of like just pulling that from the top of my head. I really don't know the symbolism on a higher, you know, like from a higher teaching. I'm just sort of making this up as I go. <laughs> so but that that's sort of makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm sure you're uh, yes. You know a lot, so uh, and you're very connected uh, uh, on a higher level. So I'm, I'm sure what you've shared uh, has uh, sparks of uh, wisdom or seeds of wisdom in there for very. Well, well, you know, I'll tell you something interesting. In the past few years, you know, I have had some bouts of vertigo, which I've gotten under control, but I. I I think that they came from like losing sleep sometimes. You know, I didn't get enough sleep. Uh, and it would come on, and I remember at one point I was, like, getting a little better, and then I, I lost a night's sleep, and it got bad again. And I sat down at the at the computer, and I said, miracle cure for vertigo. And this thing came up called D-vertigo, D-I-vertigo. 
And mm-hmm. it's like a little oil that they were selling CVS. It's called a cold them up, sent my husband out to get it. And he came back and I put it behind. It's a little oil that goes behind your ears. And it really did stop the spinning. It's not like really that much of a miracle, but it really is when you were spinning a lot. It really, really helped. Oh, and awesome. what was in it? What was in it? It was like peppermint, lavender, myrrh, and frankincense. And I'm like, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it must have something. It must have something that helped to, you know, tune in because, you know, the Virgo is some bizarre, but uh, has to do with the balance and all that stuff. It's, it's a physical thing. It has to do. Here's another thing. You know, the okay. more I studied about the vertigo, there are like, you know, in the, what is it, the vestibular, those three, three little arcs in your ears. I can't remember the, I think the vestibular. So. But anyway, there's little crystals somewhere in, in the bottom of it. And when those crystals break up, they sort of go into those um, little three rings. And sometimes they cause a blockage. And that's actually what vertigo is is caused by they don't run freely through those so your balance gets screwy so why do those oils affect the crystals isn't that interesting that is interesting i i don't know the answer but that is is an interesting uh, question but it had something to do with the crystals that it made it, it affected them electronically somehow it must have reconfigured them or something to help right away so anyway, it has something. Who knows? <laughs> you know, but it has crossed my mind that it has something to do with the electronic, um, you know, configuration of crystals. So who knows? Something with light and energy too, you know. So interesting. Very, very interesting. And it says a lot about you that uh, you can publicly admit that you don't know. Because I'm the same way. Uh, I give a lot of talks, and sometimes people ask me questions. Hell, I, I don't know. I'll look it up, or I'll meditate on it, and get back to you because <laughs> you can't know everything. And I feel that you're doing people a disservice if you just make it, you know, like uh, make it up and present it as uh, as gospel truth. So I think it's better to just say, you know, uh, this is what I think, or I'll, I'll get back to you on that, or let me think about that, or, or whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I think. Uh... There comes a point where you're confident enough that you can admit that you just don't know everything. <laughs> right. It takes it takes a big person to do that, and I know that only in later years could I freely admit that I don't know. I have a lot of things, you know. So that's a good thing, right? Oh no, it, it is a good thing. Uh, I always uh, say that my ignorance is vast, and not to say that I'm, you know. <laughs> Ignorant uh, because I read a lot, I've experienced a lot, I meditate twice a day. I, <laughs> so I have a lot of stuff floating around in my head at any given time. But you're right. As I've gotten older, I've realized that uh, all the stuff I know is, is is like a little flicker of light in this huge darkness of uh, not knowing. So uh, um, <laughs> once I realized that and I accepted it, I, I felt a freedom that's very hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And and you're definitely more open to learning when you can admit your own ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yes, most certainly you know. so. Yeah. I also found uh, that when I teach sometimes, uh, uh, yeah, and I tell people this when I'm speaking, uh, is that sometimes somebody in the audience will say something that'll light a light bulb and say, aha, 
uh, and change everything that I think, you know, so I'm not really that attached to my uh, beliefs, you know, my beliefs help mm-hmm. me navigate the world and make sense of it. So they're very important. Uh, but uh, I like to be, you know, open-minded to the uh, um, fact that my beliefs might be wrong. I might have connected the dots in a way that doesn't make sense or isn't accurate. So uh, I thank the person for helping me reconfigure my world and operate in it better. Yeah, I know. It's like this. There's so much going on in this universe, and you know, just now with science and everything. I mean so many new lights are being shed on the way things are. And it's just, you know, you realize we're, we're just opening into whole new dimensions of, of knowledge that there's just yeah. so much more to learn about everything. It's just amazing. So, And yeah. a lot of the stuff, Nick and I were talking about this uh, before in the previous segment, uh, a lot of things that were there in theosophy and uh, in other writings by the masters uh, preceded our scientific understanding. Like I remember reading in Blavatsky uh, years ago uh, that light was both waves and particles. And Mm -hmm. she wrote it long before science uh, even uh, thought about that or accepted it as a reality. So the masters knew that and gave it to Blavatsky uh, many years previously, and it's there right in the you know in the secret doctrine, nice and unveiled. And uh, my uh, mm-hmm. uncle is a physicist, and uh, um, I was reading Blavatsky very young, so I lent him the books, and uh, he found that too, and uh, he thought it was interesting. Yeah, that uh, you know, Blavatsky shared this piece of science, and one, and he wondered too how many other things uh, she said were scientifically valid. You know, one thing that's always been on my mind, and if you could ask your uncle, I would appreciate it. The masters say in one of their, they have the Keepers of the Flame lessons. I talked about the Keepers of the Flame Brotherhood. They have lessons that you get um, one month for about 31 months. And um, one of the things is, I think it was in a Keeper of the Flame lesson, or maybe it was another teaching, that the electron, it doesn't circle around the, the proton it goes almost like a daisy leaf or petal going out and then in, out and in, out and in, out and in. It's like the electron is kissing the proton back Hmm. and forth. And all we see is the external circle, but it happens so fast. It's going in and out. And that has always stuck stuck with me. And I would love to know, I mean, I do trust the masters, but it's always stuck with me that I would love to have science, you know, see that. Right, that. right. I can, and, I can uh, ask next time I see him, and uh, I will convey the information to you that he conveys to me. Okay. And that's okay. an interesting way of looking at it. I'm going to look on YouTube, too, and, <laughs> yeah. and see what's on the Internet, because I'm, I'm sure someone's addressed that. I know um, in reading about quantum physics, uh, there are some things like uh, electrons are connected to each other, like even like very far away in space, and they can like, instantaneously attune themselves over ridiculously large distances. So I'm sure um, our that's, universe... That's the quantum field. That's the quantum yes. field, right? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but here's a little difference between the qu- electron and the proton. They say the electron is alpha, the proton is omega. And it's always the electron is kissing the proton all the time. It never goes far away. And that's that's almost like 
the the um the union, the desire for union in the whole cosmos between Alpha and Omega is so strong that that you know, the electron constantly going back and forth and almost kissing the proton and you know, men and women always this natural attraction because Alpha and Omega always have this this desire for union. It's sort of interesting that it's just such a basic you know, thing. It is, and that's a, that. That uh, again goes back to love and the power of uh, cosmic universal love, and uh, uh, that's mm-hmm. a wonderful way of looking at creation. That uh, the alpha and the omega are continuously, you know, trying to to join and uh, express uh, this divine love. So, wow. Guess what I'll be meditating upon tonight. <laughs> that, <is what? laughs> that sounds like a nice meditation. <laughs> So you're traveling around. I, I'm, re- I'm really uh, honored that you took uh, the time from your travels uh, to be on the show. You, you were missed, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, can you share a yes. little bit about your travels? Oh, yes. I'm visiting um, relatives. I was in Myrtle Beach visiting my cousin for Christmas and some other friends that are there. And just today we came to Greenville, South Carolina, where my husband's two of his children and five of our grandchildren and 11 of our great-grandchildren and the first great-great-grandchildren. He's like about a month old now, Jaden. So I'll see him tomorrow. So, yeah, so we come here to see the family. That that is awesome, and this is the season to do that. Um, I. I'm not a big family person, but during this time, I, I got to see a lot of my family as well. So, Well, the interesting thing is I never had my own children. <laughs> I have all these okay. grandchildren. <laughs> so it's sort, of, it's sort of like a blessing, you know. <laughs> yes, a surprise. <laughs> my husband, yes. the Maxons, uh, do procreate young. So, we, <laughs> so that's, we've got lots of generations going here. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. No, that is and, all fun. Uh, you want to hear something funny about one of the grandsons. Now he's about sure. eight, but when he was about four, because we come here once or twice a year, and we stay with his daughter, and the grandson lives two houses down. They have the backyards connecting, blah, blah, blah. So he's in and out all the time. So one day he's sitting around the couch, and he looks at my husband, and he goes, tell me, who are you? And he goes, I'm your grandma's daddy. And he just, his eyes open up, he hits his head, and he says, no. <laughs> no. And I looked at him, and I said, well, she didn't come from an egg. And he thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I'm sure he had no <laughs> idea what I was talking about, but he was laughing. So it was, <laughs> it's, it's so cute, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely are, and uh um, I I know when uh, my son uh, comes over to visit, uh, and I dredge up baby stories or cute things he did when he was younger. Uh, now he's old enough to appreciate it. Is in his uh, mid to late thirties, but uh, I remember when he was younger, when he was in his teens and twenties, he hated hearing those old baby stories. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have any children yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> really appreciate them then oh god yeah so anyway so and i'm glad you got to experience them uh that is fantastic yeah it'll be fun to see them tomorrow we just arrived this late this afternoon so they're busy and sleeping and everything 
So tomorrow we'll see everybody. But um, yeah, we're it's, at the end of our journey to... today. And uh, I'd like for you to share uh, some information on your book. It is an awesome book. I have it on Kindle, and I've been reading it slowly. Uh, and uh, um, any news you might have about the near future? Well, I am working on, um, since I took the book and the teachings and I put them in a story, a lot of times people now, when they read it, they want to go back and read the, the wisdom, but they don't want to read the story over and over again. So I am working on a book which will just take the teachings out of it. And I think I'm going to call it um, The Bone, To the Bone, To the Bone or Bone of the Ascension's Handbook or something like that. I I pretty much have it done, but I don't have it done, but I have the concept done and I have it half done. But it should be easier to publish since the formatting is done. (laughs) That's a but uh, I'll be getting that up and I'm working on my website which uh, awesome. I don't have too much time for yeah but it's in the work so hopefully after the new year in the past in the first month or two I'm hoping I'll get that together the website and get the second book together that will be just the, the teachings so it'll be easier to review the teachings without having to pour through the story so Story makes uh, well, you're a good writer. Uh, whatever you produce is going to be excellent. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Ellen's book is called The Ascension, a handbook for God's children, and it's available through Amazon, uh, both in uh, printed and in Kindle formats. So, uh, um, you know, it, it's very easy to get. And uh, with uh, Amazon, if you're a Prime member, you'll get it within a couple of days with free shipping. So you can't beat that. Right. I really appreciate that, and I hope people enjoy it. Um, yeah, and it was it was great to uh, let me see. Also, one of the things I was reading too that I didn't realize it was called the Epiphany it was January sixth, which is the day that the the wise men visited Jesus. Right. Was, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a couple weeks after. The, you know, I I don't really know. They say he was not born on Christmas, but I'm not really sure what time of year he was. Do you have any idea? There are a lot of theories, and uh, um, during the reign of uh, Constantine the Great, uh, the emperor of the uh, Eastern Roman Empire, he standardized uh, the religious holidays so that they reflected the the, the solar uh, type of religions, of which he counted Christianity as solar religion. So that's why it's December 25th. Uh, I've heard different uh, theories as to what day it actually was. So that will make an interesting show for next month, maybe. So if you want to explore okay. that in the interim, I'll explore it too, and we could uh, talk about that. Okay. I'll do some research on that. That'll be interesting. And um, so it says the evening preceding the epiphany was the 12th night. So that would be 13 days afterwards that they arrived, if it is. So, you know. Yes, Even if it wasn't Christmas, the exact day, if it, if, yeah, if it was the 13th day after the birth, right. that would be an interesting number, too. So, yeah, okay, I'll do some research and see what I can dig up. Thanks wow. again. Enjoy your holiday, a uh, healthy and happy uh, New Year, and love to all. Well, you, too, have a beautiful holiday, and to all your listeners, have a very, very blessed, prosperous, loving, and wise new year. And uh, I'll speak to you next month.
Okay. Be well, Ellen. Take care. Thank you. And you too. Bye. Thanks to all who joined us from home. Until next time, this is us wishing you a very happy holiday season and a wonderful new year. And joyous journeys and amazing adventures. For listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>